Father, we just give you praise. Father, we know that you know the name of every person that is in this room. Father, you know what they're facing in life. You know their struggles, their challenges, and Father, you love them. And if there's somebody in the room, Father, that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Father, we know your Holy Spirit is working in their life to draw them to you. Father, help us to be open and teachable for what you have us today. In your holy name we pray, amen. Y'all may be seated. If you'll notice, I'm not Chris. So stand there, Josh. Look at Josh in his suit. Doesn't he look good? So uh, Josh got the 8.30 service. I got the uh, later service. And so if I pass out, Josh is just going to come up. Or we thought about I'll do a point, he'll do a point, And we'll see how it meshes together. But um, I'm glad to be with you today. I am just speaking. I am not preaching at you. So no spitting, no spewing, no pointing angrily at you. I just want to speak to you. I want to encourage you this morning. When I think about what to share, I always try to think about, okay, God, what's something I need to learn? Because there's a whole lot I need to learn. Learn, and uh, maybe you can learn from that as well. And this is the time of year when a lot of movies come out. You know, last year, not so much. This year, getting to be a little more. And one of the movies that's coming out is an American underdog, and it's the Kurt Warner story. And I uh, don't know if you know a lot about Kurt Warner, but he's got one of those real stories of persistence. Because one of the things I want to talk to us today is about persistence, about keeping on keeping on despite obstacles to fight difficulties to continue and what God has passionately called us to do and just a little bit about his story you know he got a college scholarship that was great didn't play for three years his senior year he ends up getting to be the starters all conference so he's up doesn't get drafted he's down gets signed as a free agent he's up gets cut he's down he goes and he's working somewhere as a shelf stalker and uh, gets to get on with the arena league team in Iowa the barnstormers plays there a few years hoping to get discovered doesn't doesn't finally gets another shot at the NFL gets cut gets picked up again gets sent to NFL Europe those of you that still remember that and uh, does pretty well comes back shouldn't make the team but circumstances happen trades he ends up being third string the guy in front of him gets traded he's second string the starter gets hurt he gets shoved into the lineup Vermeil doesn't know a lot about him the coach and he has uh, MVP year takes him to the Super Bowl uh, if you remember back to then it was called the greatest uh, show on turf 2003 takes him back to the Super Bowl 2017 he makes the NFL Hall of Fame so he's got all these reasons to quit 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 okay to give up hang up this isn't going to happen but he persists and what's unique about him because there's a lot of stories I could give you about people persisting you know Walt Disney was was fired from a job because he was told he wasn't very creative um, but you know you had Michael Jordan cut from his junior high team wouldn't you like to have that on your resume as that coach uh, you know, Thomas Edison, I think they said tried a thousand plus times different things before he invented the light bulb. I mean, there's all these stories of perseverance, perseverance. You know, Henry Ford, Ford Motor Company, I think lost all his money like five times. But what is unique about Kurt is Kurt would say the source of his keeping on, keeping on his relationship with Christ. And he's very vocal about his relationship with Christ. He was when he was in the league. His wife's very vocal about it. And they talk about that relationship with the Christ is what, and, and God giving them that vision, what allowed them to keep on keeping on. 
Now, I always want to be real careful with stories like that because that story ends up with a fairy tale ending. That doesn't always happen. Sometimes high school is the end of the line, college is the end of the line, the arena league, getting cut from the NFL is the end of the line, or whatever, fill in the blanks for the story. Whatever it is you dream, you plan to happen, doesn't happen, and with that can become disappointment and discouragement. And if we're honest, first of all, we've all got a dream. We've all got something passion, something we want to learn, something we want to accomplish. Somebody in here wants to write a book. Somebody wants to write a song and get it published. Somebody's got a skill you want to learn, an instrument you want to play, a business you want to start. You know, you've got something there. Maybe it's something to make money. Maybe it's just something you personally want to learn how to do, something in your personal, uh, uh, you know, you want to accomplish, you want to run a marathon, you want to hike a bunch of 14,000-foot-plus mountains. I don't know what they are, but we've all got different things that we want to pursue. And many of those things, a lot of times, God puts on us. He gives us these passions. He, he puts them in us. You know, we should certainly as Christians all have a passion to want to, you know, grow in God and be like him and be godly, you know, husband, wives, single people, you know, parents, business people. But then he gives us those individual unique passions that we want to pursue. And you should pursue them. You shouldn't lay it on the shelf. I'll work with senior adults some. And go visit them and enjoy those visits. Enjoy hearing their stories, their life stories, how they came to know God, how they met their husband uh, or wife, about their kids. I like hearing those stories, but I really get encouraged by the ones that despite health, despite difficulties, are continuing to pursue Christ. They're continuing to be passionate about God. They want to spend time with him. They're being prayer warriors. They're encouraging friends. They're checking up on friends. But then there's also those that have become discouraged. They're also, they're just ready to get on to heaven, to be with Jesus. They've kind of retired. They've kind of stepped back. And see, that's a danger for any of us. In pursuing our dreams and pursuing our passions, and for whatever reason, it doesn't happen. It's, I'm not where I thought I would be at this point in life or whatever. And it's easy for us to just take a step back, to retire, to let somebody else step up, to, to start letting our disappointment overwhelm us, to let sorrow kind of take over in our lives. And that's not what God has called us to do. But I know if I'm honest, there's things like that that I still want to pursue and still want to accomplish. But I'm getting older, you know? I'm getting my AARP card here uh, before too long. And so I'm not getting any younger. And the thing is, I could just say, well, it's not going to happen. Or I can say, you know what? I'm going to keep the pedal to the metal. I'm going to keep pursuing Christ. And I'm going to keep doing what he's called me to do until it's time to go home. There's a great verse I want you to, to look at real quick. I don't have it on the screen. Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. You can find it on your Bible. You can find it in your uh, phone Bible or, or actually, you know, one of these that opens up. But Philippians 1, 20 through 22. And this is the attitude Paul had. And if we're going to continue to persist in the faith, if we're going to keep going forward, if we're not going to shrink back, if we're going to fight the fight, if we're going to finish the race, if we're going to allow God to carry out the good works that he's called us to do until completion, this has got to be our attitude. And Paul's in a situation where he doesn't know if he's going to live or he's going to die. I don't know. He wants to go to Rome. He wants to share the gospel a lot of places. He doesn't know if he's going to live or die. And there's a part of me that says, you know, 
I've been beaten, I've been shipwrecked, I've been imprisoned, I've had a lot of stuff happen to me. You know, potentially his eyesight's bad, he doesn't get around too good, he's gone without food. Going to heaven wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. He understands to die is to gain. I'll be with Jesus and all this will be behind me. But here's what his attitude is. And this is from the New Living Translation. He says, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed. And he's talking about ashamed of his connection with God. But that I will continue to be bold for Christ. As long as I'm here, no matter the circumstances, I want to continue to be bold for Christ. He says, as I have been and trust, my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. Whether I live or die, whether I get out of this situation that I'm in or I'm executed, I want to live for Christ in whatever time I have left. And he goes on and he says then those famous words, for to live is Christ. If I live, it's for Christ. If I die, yes, it's gain. But if I live, I know I can do more fruitful work for Christ, and so I know which is better. He understood till God called him home and it wasn't that time left. He was to live for Christ. He was to bring honor to his name. He was to continue to be bold. That's God's calling for us. That whatever we do, wherever we are, Whatever our age, whatever our life stage, whatever our disappointments, that we continue to live for Christ. Whether you have a story like Kurt Warner that all difficulties and you see that dream come to fruition, you live for Christ and he's doing that. Or you have setbacks and difficulties. God sends you on a different path. Maybe you're a person that God uses through difficulties to inspire and encourage somebody else as they're facing difficulties and along their journey. But wherever you're at, you say, you know what? I'm going to continue to live for Christ. I'm not going to step back. I'm not going to let disappointments and discouragements define me. I'm going to keep on moving forward. And the key to persisting, the key to pursuing Christ, the key to going forward is joy biblical joy there's a word that in the hebrew greek whatever um you know i I skipped those classes in seminary Uh, but basically it means extended favor it means gladness biblical joy is feeling of good pleasure and happiness but that good pleasure and happiness is dependent on who jesus is rather than on who we are It's not dependent on what we do or what's happening around us. It comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. So the starting point for joy is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so nothing else today matters that I say if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And just if I was to look at Justin and say, Justin, are you married? You would say, no hesitation, you know this, you got this. But... If I was to look at Micah and say, Micah, are you married? Micah hesitated. <laughs> so there's a wife some here. You're not married, correct? <laughs> okay, so he knows. Just like we know immediately I'm married, I'm not married. 
We need to know, if I ask you, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? That ought to be yes or no. We know that. There's no hesitation. There's no doubt. God wants you to have that certainty. And that's where that joy springs from, that certainty of knowing you're loved, you're kept, he's with you, his presence abides in you, you have a home in heaven, you have him with you in this life. You, God wants you to have a relationship with him. And when I was 22, I battled and I'd made excuses and I'd come up with, well, God, I've done this that and the other and I just finally said God I just want to settle this God I don't know if I'm a Christian or not but I want to know I want you to be my Lord and Savior and so God you say whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved God I'm calling on your name to save me I'm going to quit trusting in me and trying to say the right words and trying to do the right things and I'm going to trust in you and what you've done for me that is the beginning source for joy and if you've never done that receive that joy that Christ offers today and then with that you receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit but once you receive that joy you receive the Holy Spirit that's just the beginning point for joy to grow you have got to abide with Christ you've got to spend time with him when you learn from him you've got to obey him you've got to spend time in his word because the more time you spend with him the more you know about him the more you put in the more he comes out of you and you'll see that evidence by growth and love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and love for other people. So how, I want to speak a word or two, two today about that joy by looking at the life of Zachariah and Elizabeth. Chris is about to do a sermon series. And in this sermon series, he's going to cover Mary and Joseph, and he's going to cover a miraculous birth with an angel gave, you know, announcement off. And then there was some scowling about the circumstances of this birth. And then this amazing life comes along that brings life change and his enemies kill him. Then there's a resurrection. We get a very similar story with Zachariah and Elizabeth. These are, this is an amazing birth. It's announced by an angel. There's kind of like a lot of questioning about this birth. You know, this ain't going to happen. Y'all are too old for this to happen. And then the, he, he has a message that brings about life change. He's killed by his enemies. There's no resurrection with him. But there's a lot of similarities in that story. So Chris will be preaching that. So make sure you hear all that sermon series in December and Christmas Eve for that. But before we get into that, I think this is a great person because we're coming into a season of joy. And these folks tell us a lot about joy. First of all, we need to understand there are some challenges to joy. Life happens, and when life happens, you got to trust God. Like I just mentioned, there's going to be setbacks, there's going to be difficulties. Maybe some of you are dealing with those right now. You're sick, you're dealing with a sickness, somebody you love sick. There's been a setback, there's been a disappointment, you got a rejection letter. There's been a relationship that's been broken, a betrayal. Again, something you thought was going to happen didn't happen. Life happens, life's not easy. We don't get that picture anywhere in the New Testament that come to Christ and everything is smooth. Instead, we get 10, uh, you know, we get the one disciple that betrays Jesus. We get 10 that are martyred, one that's stuck on a prison uh, on an island. We get Stephen who's stoned to death. Uh, we get Mary and Martha and what they have to deal with. We certainly get Jesus 
who's crucified. So we don't ever get like things are gonna be easy and rosy. Life happens, life's hard, life's difficult. There's financial challenges. We may be like Zachariah and Elizabeth and want a child and that's not happened. Maybe we got a child and that child has disappointed us and not gone the path we thought they would go. But life can bring disappointments. And if we're not careful, those disappointments can define us and set us back for pursuing what Christ has before us. And these two guys certainly knew disappointment. In verse, Luke chapter 1, verse 5, it says, when Herod was king of Judea, okay, they understood national disappointment. There is a Roman, they are Roman occupied. It's hard for us to understand this, but you think back to your history of World War II, what it would be like to be in France and see a large Nazi flag draped uh, you know, over the walls, to be in Denmark, to be in Poland and see those flags flying and everything that they represent and basically saying, you know, your values, your history, it's done, it's pointless, there are new values, new history, and we're about to change everything up. It's hard for us to imagine what that would be like, but he's facing that and it seems like a hopeless situation. Not only is there national disappointment, there's religious disappointment. Herod is is on the throne not only of the country but he's also kind of on the religious throne as well he's the descendant of Esau not Jacob if you remember Esau and Jacob you know the kind of the brothers split ways Uh, Jacob stole the birthright but he was the where the rightful heir to the throne to the leadership of the temple was to come from not from the line of Esau so he knows there's a wrong person on the throne he knows the type of person that Herod is this is a jealous person he would kill family members to stay on the throne and it was simply about position of power he didn't even believe in God it worship worship me so it's hard for us to imagine like but whatever the leader of our church would be with somebody that's in charge that doesn't even believe in God and is committing all kinds of crimes and blasphemy and a lot of the prophets that were involved in the temple were involved in corruption they had gotten disappointed they had gotten disillusioned with God they're just going through the motion so he's dealing with religious disappointment and he's one of the prophets and then finally he's dealing with personal disappointment and 1-7 it says they had no children because because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. Again, culturally, it's different here. It was a big deal not to have a child. This is how your name, your legacy uh, continued on. This was who was going to care for you and later. They wanted to see that priesthood through them continued and somebody that got the priesthood right. And it was considered that you must have had some sin going on in your life, and that's why you don't have a kid. Now, that's wrong, and that's wrong thinking, but that's how that culture was. And especially if you were in the priesthood and didn't have a child, there must really be some secret sin going on. So they had to deal with jealousy. They had to deal with lying. They had to deal with gossip. They had to deal with questioning. There's a lot of disappointment going on. And he makes it real clear. Understand, as you go through this life, there's going to be disappointments. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be challenges. There's not an easy path ahead. But when those times happen, our choice is we're going to let circumstances define us or I'm going to turn and I'm going to trust in God. And Zachariah and Elizabeth continued to trust in God. So this is the second thing. They trusted in God, and through this, this is how their joy grew that allowed them to persist. In chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, it says, He was a member of the priestly order, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. I want you to just notice here the marriage. One of the things that helped his joy grow 
was his commitment to his loved ones, his commitment to his wife. Culturally, because she didn't have a baby, he could have left her and it would have been considered acceptable, but he didn't. He loved her. It says they grew in faith together and he stayed committed to her. If you want to see your faith grow, if you want to see your joy grow, stay committed and love those that God has placed in your circle. Love your spouse. Love your children. If you don't have spouse or children, love your family. Love your friends. Be kind to your coworkers, but love those in the circle around you. When God sees he can trust people around you, that you'll love them and be an example and encouragement to them, he knows that he can grow your faith and your joy increases. They were also committed to a relationship with God. Now notice it says both. This is Zechariah and Elizabeth, man and woman. It says they were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They didn't let disappointment, they didn't let was culturally going around them with the temple and religion define them and set them back. They didn't get influenced by culture. They kept God as their first priority. They sought him first. To love God is to obey God. And if you love God, you love people. So they loved people. They loved his word. They, God knew he could trust them with those promises and they would obey them. So to grow your faith, to see your joy grow, you've got to love people around you. You've got to be faithful to his word. But they were also committed to service. They were committed. He was born into the priesthood, but again, that could have became a culture thing, but he took it seriously. He married the daughter of a priest, which shows he really took it extra seriously, and then he was faithful to what he was called to do. You go back to Kurt Warner. You know, there are guys on teams that just go through the motions, do as little as possible. But this was a guy that, despite disappointment, despite discouragement, despite what was going around, he stayed faithful to the task. And Luke 1, 8 through 13, it says... One day, Zechariah was serving in the temple. For his order was on duty that week, as was the custom of the priests. He was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and to burn incest. And I think we got a picture of the temple, just to you know, have something to look at. But basically, there were 18 to 20,000 priests. They were divided into 24 divisions of about 800 in each division. Two weeks out of the year, your division served. So there's 800 serving that one week. A name is involved. There's two times you went into the temple to burn incense, so a name is drawn twice. So four times a year, your name could get drawn. So four times a year, you live 60 years. That's 240 opportunities out of about 800 priests. You may not get drawn to go into the temple. And once you were drawn, you could only be drawn once. His name was drawn to go into the temple. He was faithful. What happens if he says, you know what, there's 800 guys nothing's happening God doesn't seem to be into this we're going through the motions he just steps back is one priest out of 800 going to be missed but he stayed faithful to what God called him to do and on that day when God providentially had his name called out he went into the temple he could take two with him one did the showbread one trimmed the candles of the wicks and he went tended the coals and he offered up prayers for redemption of the people and it says when he went in to offer up prayers for the redemption of the people people an angel appeared and he said Zechariah was shaken he was overwhelmed with fear when he saw him but the angel said don't be afraid Zechariah God's heard your prayer your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John because he remained faithful because he kept growing because God couldn't entrust John to just anybody 
He had to entrust him to the right parents who were ready for the mission that he was about to undertake because they were going to have to pour their lives into John to get him ready because there were very specific instructions given about the raising of this child that was going to be the forerunner of Christ. They were faithful to continue to grow in their faith, continue to love people, and an angel appears and says, your prayer's been heard. I know I can trust you with this. And so he hears his prayer. His prayer was for the redemption of the people. It wasn't just for a child. When you went before the altar, you were praying for the redemption of the nation. But somehow in that redemption, that prayer for the redemption of the nation and his prayer for a child were tied together in a way he would never have been able to understand. But but God saw his heart and he answered that prayer. So he remained faithful. And then here's the last thing here to help our faith grow. In Luke 1.80, And this would be easy to miss because it's all the way at the end, but it says John, their child, grew up and became strong in spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry. Because they were who they needed to be, they were able to pour into John and help him be who he needed to be. Your decision to remain faithful or not, your decision to continue to pursue Christ or not, doesn't just have implications for your life, it has implications for your children, it has implications for your friends, it has implications for those who work around you. God wants to use your life to overflow and pour into others, but he can't overflow any more than your field. But they were filled. They were overflowing. They understood the mission that he had, and they helped prepare him for that mission. So it's important. The disappointments are going to come, but when they come, we've got to continue to trust in God. To trust in God, we demonstrate it by our growth by loving people, by loving his word, by continuing to grow in Christ, by having a life that can pour into other people. And then that type of life has an impact on us and others. And I just want us to look at a few verses really quick that show that impact. The first impact that you'll see that he has is in one six again, that passage where it says, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. They were able to continue to grow in faith. God was able to continue to trust them with more and more and more because of that heart. Uh, in Luke one twenty five, it talking about uh, Elizabeth, it says, How kind the Lord is. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. God sees Elizabeth, he sees her hurt, he sees her pain, he sees her her shame, and he answers her prayer. When God sees he can trust us, that's when we really start seeing our prayers answered. If we go on uh, into verse 167 through 71, it says, this is kind of where Zechariah gives this saying at the end where he proclaims prophecy. And he says, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. He gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised. Now we'll be saved from our enemies. Zechariah, a guy that wasn't really listened to in the priesthood because you must have done something, you must have some sin, that's why you don't have a child, you're an old dude, your time has passed. Now God gives him a new testimony. He gives him a proclamation. He entrusts him with the word about the coming Messiah. When we are faithful, God will give us new platforms. At 80, God can give you a platform you never dreamed of. 
He did that a lot of times in the Bible. With Caleb at 85, with Moses, at 70, he can give you a platform. At 50, he can give you a platform. At 40, at 30, at 25, but you've got to remain faithful to him and continue to pursue in him and let his joy overflow. And not only does that joy impact you, it impacts others. One last verse. In Luke chapter 1, verses 77 through 79, it says, because of God's tender mercy, The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us that gives light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide us to the path of peace. He's saying in this nation that I've become disillusioned about, there's a light that's about to shine. John is going to be the forerunner of Christ. The Messiah is coming. There's going to be a light. This religion that I've become disillusioned about, the Messiah is coming and there's going to be a new message and there's going to be life change. That joy, God was able to work through their lives to prepare them, to help prepare John, who then helped to bring in Jesus Christ. When we continue to pursue Christ, it has ripple effects all across the place. At the same point, when we step back, we're not just hurt. Worship and honor of God is not also missed, but other people also are missed there's a blessing that God wanted to pour out for us to others, and they miss as well. So guys, I want to challenge you. During this time, during this season, when it's easy, because during the holiday season, I think Brandon could tell me right or wrong of this, you see more suicides. There's more deaths. There's more people just, just deal with a lot of depression and things like this during this holiday season. So there can be disappointment. There can be disillusion. How are we going to overcome that? How are we not going to be defined by that? We're going to by continuing to pursue Christ, by letting his joy overflow in us so we pursue him no matter what. Guys, I want to challenge you today to let God renew that vision that he's given you, whatever that unique vision is, to renew that passion for Christ, to understand that he wants to use you, your unique life, every one of you in here. There's people that he wants to use you to impact that nobody else can impact. That friend, that family member, that coworker, God wants to use you to impact their lives. He wants you to be a source of light and change at work, at school, in your sources of friendship, in your hobbies, in your activities. He wants to use you to be that source of hope and peace and those words of wisdom. But to do that, we've got to continue to pursue Him. And when we do, man, His joy will just overflow no matter the situation or circumstances. Be committed to pursue Him, to love others, and let His joy overflow. And it'll change you and it'll change others. Let's stand. And ever how you need to respond where you're standing or where you're seated, you do so. If you need to ask Christ into your heart, goodness gracious, do that. If you've gotten discouraged or disappointed and you need to bring that to the altar or deal with that where you are, do that. If you just want to say, man, I want to be committed to finish the race, to fight the fight, to continue to live for Christ, then where you're seated, make that commitment to do that.